man, we got a lot to talk about. The world has flat out gone crazy since our IG post last week. Yep. Um, so anyway, we got um, we got Elon Musk buying Twitter and fighting with those guys, which is kind of enjoyable to watch. We got the markets mm-hmm. crashing. I got we got talk about a recession. We got a baby formula shortage, all kinds of stuff. And so what we both agreed, guys, today on the Make More, Keep More podcast, that which is what you're listening to, which is all about keeping your money right, making more, keeping more. That's Dominic of Real Biz Advisors. I'm Ron Carruthers of Carruthers Tax and Financial Solutions. But um, we thought today would be a really good time to, buy, to talk about how to keep your mind right in all this. And we probably just did it a few weeks ago, but I think it merits happening again. Um, because again, it's, I'm just hearing it from so many people that they're just like nervous. Yeah. So I thought I'd give Great. you guys, first of all, I thought it, first of all, I'd give you guys my take on the market, Dominic, and then let's jump into running the business and investments and all that stuff. Here's something I, I want you guys to think about right now. The market's crap. But what's interesting about this is unlike. 2000s, 2001 and 2002, where the NASDAQ lost 80% of its value in a three-year period. It was just like a slow, steep, it was like an airplane coming in for a crash landing with no engine. It wasn't dramatic. (laughs) It was just, you know, 33 months of just coming straight down. There was a real bubble that led up to that. Right here in California, we kind of screw up everything for the nation. Sorry, guys. And what happened back then was the internet was the hot new kid on the block. And literally, if you put an E in front of anything, um, it would sell and get, you know, half a million dollars or a million dollars or $50 million of venture capital. And the stock would go through the roof, even if they had no viable business. So there were some really interesting businesses back then, D. Um, Web Grocer, which yeah. really kind of morphed into Amazon Prime. So they were actually a little bit ahead of their time. But um, the idea was sound. They just didn't have the infrastructure to pull it off yet. That that Bezos, to his credit, even evil villain looking fellow that he is, um, he really did a good job with. And um, there was some really good ideas that came out of that that just, again, got so much money so fast. And it was the proverbial, like they would go buy massive company headquarters and hire a bunch of people with no product, no sales, no anything. And kids would be riding like scooters up and down the hallways, you know, and they'd have lunch catered in every day and massive parties, but there was no underlying business. And then there were some terrible business ideas. And let me give you a perfect one. And I am not making this up. E-funeral. With the general idea that you would take grandma when she passed down to the UPS store. I'm not making this up. And you would have grandma shipped off and they would do funerals to her, but grandma kind of doesn't fit in one UPS package. So kind of put her in a couple UPS packages and then occasionally packages would get lost. And so this is real, by the way, guys. This is like, you know, it sucks being old, which I don't think I am, but I'm older than a lot of you. But the flip side of it is you get to see some stuff. So a lot of stuff is in music. So back to business. There was a very good reason why the markets were overheated back then and why we had this long protracted kind of meltdown 
that cleaned out a lot of the foolishness in the system. Then in 2008, you had the market meltdown tied to the collapse of Shearson Lehman, which was a massive financial institution. I, I mean, again, if you didn't, if you weren't around then and paying attention, you don't realize just how big these guys were. And they collapsed under the weight of their own stupidity. And then you had the, oh, the subprime mortgages, which if, if you guys haven't seen the big short, because I'll need to go watch shit. So people were getting mortgages. Literally, you wrote your name, put in any number you felt like for your income. Nobody verified dick. And you had a mortgage or $100,000 cash out of your thing. And in that movie where they're like, hey, we're looking for so-and-so. And he's like, that's my dog. They signed the mortgage on his dog. That, that stuff was real. Yeah. When the guy said, hey, man, we fill out the paperwork on Friday and it's sold off by Monday. Nobody even looks at it. When you had the stripper in the movie going like, I own five houses in a condo. So there was some real foolishness in the system. Right now, what's interesting is, yeah, we're having some supply chain issues. And yeah, there's not baby formula on the shelves here. Although if you've seen the pictures of Mexico, there's tons of it there and in Canada. And you've got some inflation component, but again, directly related to flooding the system with money. But at the end of the day, I don't see... I'm sorry. I'll let you talk to you. you don't have, Dominic, you don't have to leave. Uh, <laughs> I don't see the same sort of foolishness that led to those two real market meltdowns. So that's my two seconds on it. What I told a client the other night who was literally concerned that his whole portfolio was going to get a zero was like, no, man, it can only go so low. You own solid companies that are still producing the overall economy as well. People still want to go and smoke and drink. So the casinos are doing well. And people still chill in their Lulu. So Lulu's doing well. Netflix kind of screwed up a little bit. But at the end of the day, what I think we're seeing is a lot of the same people who went nuts buying toilet paper for no rational reason during the pandemic are now just turning around and kind of freaking out over that. That's my take on the market, Dominic, if you want to weigh in now that I did a six-minute monologue or whatever. Sorry, guys. So what you're weirdly saying, and I don't know if I can get on with this, is that people make irrational decisions. I just, I just can't even, I feel like I can't really fathom that, that that's possible. No, and I think there is a lot of irrationality in the market, but that's the interesting thing about the markets is they can function on irrational behavior. And there's, there's whole theories about, you know, like how crypto goes up is, you know, just basically because somebody else just buys more of it, then it just goes, it's just this, this sort of self-perpetuating sort of scenario. And it can go the opposite direction on us. But I think that's why it's so important for us to talk about mindset today, because irrespective of what's the cause, the root cause of what's going on, there is no doubt that, you know, portfolios have probably taken a big hit. There's articles all over the place about people losing a big chunk of their you know, crypto money that they put in and, and, and stuff like that. So I think mindset's really important. And just for the sake of anybody joining on right now, and then also, if this is maybe the first time you've caught this show, this is episode, I think it's 13 of our show, uh, the Make More, Keep More show. But one of the really th important things I think to keep in mind is, you know, who are these guys that are talking to you right now? And particularly, not so much me, it's none actually more Ron. It's none of your freaking business who we are. Yeah. Shut up and listen. So Ron is interesting because you what, what you're going on 30 years of owning your own business or 20 something 30 years 
32 years. Okay, so over yeah. over 30 years of way, owning his own business. I started young, y'all. I, I started in my way early 20s. So, but the key key to that is is you know you you're looking at you saw the dot com crash you saw the i lived you you lived it right you lived actually money then (laughs) yeah you lived the 9-11 market corrections you lived the the you know uh great recession or whatever we want to call it 2008 2009 you've been through this and i think your perspective around this is really important for people to tune into and listen to because you've been through this now i haven't owned my business through all of those um, my business is about seven years old right now, but so so infant compared to yours. But I also spent a lot of time in corporate America, and I was thinking about this this morning about mindset because you know it's interesting when you're in corporate America. As some of you probably can appreciate that are listening into this. You, uh, especially as a sales guy and, and a sales leader, is your quota goes up by twenty percent every single year, irrespective of what the market is doing. <laughs> totally. So you know you have to find unless, a way. Unless you over, unless you over need it, in which case it goes up by forty percent the following Correct. year. Because corporate America, one hundred percent. It's exactly what happens. So, so I think that those those elements of I went through the dot com crisis. I worked at a mutual fund company during the dot com crisis. Oh, that's right. I you saw were up at, you were up at Franklin, right? If Franklin Templeton, yeah, yeah. And it was really interesting too because you think about what you were talking about there is. We were trying to hire people, and at the time we had an office building, you know, which is you know normal. <laughs> so it was a nice office building. Franklin had to go create a campus with a private chef and a restaurant and a work a gym, which the gym was unreal, uh, and all the stuff in there. They had to create that in order to stay current with Google, who was a, was a couple blocks away, and Oracle yep. at the time, and you yep. know everybody else who had all of these things because of the dot com era and and a fifty million dollar infusion of cash and. You spent most of that on a plane and then the rest of it on a gym for your office. Like it was craziness at those times. So we've certainly seen all of those things go on. And, and I think what the, 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 and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, there is always somebody making money in a down market. Always. And maybe you could even say there are, especially there are people making money, especially in a down market, right? It's, it's one of those things where there's somebody's benefiting right now. And I, I shared this example the other day. Of, in 2019, the, the yachting industry was $6.5 billion. So that includes builds, charters, just the yachting industry. In 2019, there was a survey done by, I can't remember, it was like Boston Consulting or somebody respectable. <clears throat> said that they estimated that that industry by 2030, by 2030, would hit $15 billion. That's what they said in 2019. In 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, that industry exceeded $12 billion. It almost doubled in the course of a year. There's currently, as of December of 2021, I put some of this on my Instagram post, but I want to give some context behind it, is in December of 2021, there are 1,024 uh, ships being built or on order that are quali- or, uh, classified as super yachts, which is anything over 80 feet. So you're telling me people don't have money? People have money. Like there is money being made. There's money being spent. Now, are some of those people seeing a couple of billion come off of their, their net worth? Sure. Can they still afford the yacht? 100% they can. And so <laughs> my, my feeling on this, all of this is, is that if your mindset is right, and you realize that there is plenty of money in the world, irregardless of what the market is doing, 
you have to keep that mindset. Now, is it a little bit tougher to get some of that money? Possibly, depending on your business. Is it a little tough? Take a little extra sales effort? Yeah, 100% it does. But keep in mind, you have your share and somebody makes money. So why can't it be you? I would, I would jump into that. I want to I tell you guys a story on this. We did a video not that long ago. I don't know if it's been posted yet um, about my biggest financial mistakes. And unfortunately, I think it took two videos to get them all in. And, and even <laughs> then, I only covered the big ones. Um, and so, you know, and it's humiliating to, to stand up there and talk about it. And then he'd be like, you know, and one of my, th- one of my dumb mistakes was buying a $2 million house, which I could afford. But then going and buying an $800,000 cabin and spending a bunch of money on that. And then that was all right before 2008. So, you know, the house got sold for less than $2 million. The other one got sold for, um, you know, it, it, I think we sold it to someone. It was just a mess. And there was, there was a few mistakes like that. Now, I've offset that by always saving a very disciplined amount of my money. And in many cases, coming close to 50% of of um or i should say 30 percent of what i make uh, generally is where i'm at so at least and then i got divorced but the biggest mistake i made in all this this is the one when i got divorced was 2008 and so the markets were crashing but our business was good but i was getting home in the court every week i mean pretty much i think i went to court 50 times in a four-year period so it felt like every week constantly having to respond to stuff i mean their lawyer did not play nice at all and the number one mistake that i made dominic was i let it affect my mind right i focused on that way disproportionate now since then i've acquired a whole set of skills because i had not my business was kind of good from day one we had clients you know i'd experienced success i did great in school this was the first major failure in my life and i was not prepared to handle it resiliently and bounce back Mm -hmm. and i would tell everybody listening to this if you've never had like real failure like you have no money in the bank because they froze all your assets and you're fighting all day so you can't generate revenue and you're going to keep your car moving so they don't repossess it, which is where I was at one point. The problem was it affected my mind. Mm-hmm. And it took me longer. Now, if a financial setback hits or project doesn't work, like I'm over that stuff in minutes. And look, I don't ever want to go through what I went through back then again, but I developed a much harder shell to where things don't affect me the way they did back then. And so I would tell everybody right now, listen to this, to make sure no matter what happens with the economy and what you see on the news, if you need to turn that crap off, do not participate, just make the decision to not participate it because we wrote out every other storm in that, the dot-com meltdown and all of it because my mind was right. But it was that one that got me because, and again, now it wouldn't, but that's the number one thing. So make sure you're feeding your mind a steady diet of biographies of successful people who overcome great odds like Lincoln and I mean we go on and I don't want to say the bad orange man's name but I mean if you read through some of what that man went through in the 90s where he was billions of dollars in debt and bounced back from it 
stronger. It's a re- it's a great story. One of my favorite books is Self Made in America, and I think we mentioned it on there. But that guy went through some stuff and tells other people's stories, and it's it's a great. It reads like a novel. It's a business book that reads like a novel. But I would just say, be very careful about feeding into that and letting it affect your behavior to the extent that you're like, oh, people will not buy. Therefore, I need to cease marketing efforts. Oh, the market's going to drop anyways. I will stop my investment plan. All those things are self-defeating and will really hurt you. And if you keep your mind right, you can literally, uh, there was a bumper sticker, you know, I've chosen not to participate in the current recession or something like that. You can actually be that person because like Dominic said, there's still people out there buying yachts and going to, my, my friend just got back from Vegas and she's like, it was packed. Like every square foot was packed. Uh, and she went on like a Monday and a Tuesday. So anyway, that's my little rant yeah. on part of this. You know, it's interesting. Like, so there are so many areas that are going. So I, a couple things. We, uh, this year, one of my big projects with a client of mine uh, in the luxury space. So already one of the most expensive products in their space, if not the most expensive based on certain parameters. We've helped them. I've helped them na- navigate a 25% price increase this year without any loss of volume. So, you know, when you said something like that, then you see that people can, people can afford it. Uh, golf. I like to golf. Uh, my buddy and I were looking for some, some golf, uh, you know, tea times. And I live not too far from the Trump resort here in, in uh, the West Coast in Los Angeles area. Uh, that Trump resort, I mean, it's always expensive. It's a beautiful golf course. Don't get me wrong. It's right on the ocean. It's gorgeous. But that golf course typically in the past has averaged about $300 a round. So pricey, it's $650 a round right now. Um, and they're not the only one. The Most of the golf courses in our local area have darn near doubled their prices over the last uh, few weeks, actually, which is interesting because that's concurrent with the, uh, with, the, with the market situation. So it goes to the point of, somebody is making money and some you wouldn't think that this is a good time to raise your prices this may very well be the best time to raise your prices depending on your situation now we could get into a whole discussion around evaluating that and whether that's makes sense for you but you know my specialty is around ex, like expensive brands I mean, that's what i typically work with is anybody who's doesn't matter what like if you're a coach and you're just more expensive than everybody else or you're a physical product more expensive than everybody else you know that's that's the uh that's the area I like to focus in. And people right now are raising their prices. Rolex went through a 14% price increase this year. I mean, it's across the board. Now, some of that is due to, to the underlying expenses of running their business, their cost of goods sold and you know products and all that type of stuff. But a lot of it just has to do with there is plenty of expendable cash. So that's what's making this market really interesting right now. And, and I also think it bears a lot of relevance to your mindset because if you can continue to remind yourself there's plenty of money and that you deserve your piece of it, you'll stay focused on the right activities, which is goes back to something we've talked about a few times on here. Make sure you have cash. You were just talking about that, right? Putting 30% of your income aside as savings right now. Because regardless of what happens in the next three months or six months, opportunities are coming. Like they're, they are going to show up. You're going to see, maybe not everywhere, but you're going to see a real estate deal. You're going to see a business uh, go 
up for sale. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know, some of you may follow Cody Sanchez and she talks a lot about like businesses and boring businesses and all that stuff. But she's like screaming about this right now. Like keep your cash because stuff is popping up. Like, so it's not just Ron and I saying this. It's, it's virtually every expert who makes any kind of money looks at these situations as a, an opportunity to make more of it. But it, you got to have your head right. You, you got to have your mind right. The number one, by the way, this is for those of you just joining, this is the Make More, Keep More show. Um, we, I'm Ron Carruthers of Carruthers Tax and Financial Solutions. That's Dominic of Bright Mind Biz Advisors. He does a lot of sales training and growth. I do a lot of managing of money and tax stuff. But um, we're talking today about keeping your mind right um, and getting your mind set right when literally you can pull on the news and it's, it's just all how bad everything is. And so one area in particular, before we leave, we are going to talk about what to do in places for keeping your safe money. So you're not, you're getting to take advantage of different tax laws and you're not just getting a 0.001% weight rate of return while your capital is just sitting there undeployed. But, um, we were talking, I was listening to someone else the other day, and this happened, by the way, in 2008, where people were able to take over mortgages. Listen to this one, D. So let's say a house went up to 800000 and someone gets a mortgage on it for 700000 All right, because they were, again, everybody was going crazy and letting them refinance up. But now the house goes down to 600000 People were going through and taking over the house, what they call subject to, you real estate investors are probably familiar with that term. And all it means is, look, I'm going to take over your house. If you sell it right now, you've not only got to pay the real estate commission, you've also got to pay off that $100,000 difference on what's owed. So you're net out of pocket $150,000. Instead, if you sell it to me with no realtor, I'm just going to take over your mortgage. I can't refinance this house right now. So I might need that mortgage for 10 years. And there were people who were willing to leave those houses, transfer the deed and leave it over and leave the mortgage in their name because it was their best option. Now, generally speaking, you need a little bit of cash to close that deal or get them to move out or whatever. But that's just one example of how when a market, and by the way, I'll hold this up for you guys in a second. Um, so you guys can see this since I had to move indoors because I was absolutely freezing out there. <laughs> um, you know, man, it's been, look, I don't love the heat, so I'm pretty, I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, super bummed out when it's not warm here, but it is downright like cold. Um, but here's what I wanted to show you guys. Let me see if that works. Okay. Boom. This is the California real estate market chart. I want you guys to take a look at this. And um, there's there's the chart. So that's a hundred thousand dollars purchase back in 1991. And notice it shot way up around 2006. There, that's that middle bump. And then notice how long it took when the housing market drops here. How low it went. And then how long it took to get back to this peak right here. And then notice it's gone crazy right here. And again, I think the numbers are probably all backwards. But that yep. peak 
was in, if you had a $100,000 house that you bought in 1991, it was worth about 286 in the first quarter of 2006. It bottomed out at 153 in 2012. And then it took until 26, 2019 to get back to 286. And then it shot up to almost 400 since then. So there's a 13 year window where that house was underground, underwater. Yep here in California. Now I just ran that for a client in North Carolina and those numbers weren't near as dramatic. But the idea is, I would say a couple fold. One is if you're gonna play in the markets, any market that is anything more risky than cash, you're gonna be dealing with losses at some point, which again, you, we wanna obviously take advantages from, from a tax standpoint and position you to pay the least taxes. But at the same time, the reason that we hammer on keeping cash is how would you like to have bought right down, right down there mm -hmm. and sold up here? You know, so that's kind of my two cents. Um, Dominic. From so some of the people who couldn't obviously couldn't read that, which wasn't the point. I think you were just more showing the graph, yeah, but just a quick thing. Where would you find that? Where did way, you? Way up and it went way down. Oh, that was the F. HFA.gov, the Federal Housing and Finance Administration. So these are this is a government website, government data that they track all that. And then if you just go down to the home price calculator, it's about halfway down on the left-hand side of the page. If you just log into that and go down, it's a free website. You don't need to log in or anything. Sweet. But you yeah. guys can I mean, that's it. a good resource. Track it. You can track it for your state. And again, we, we have had the real estate guys on and we've had Matt, the mortgage guy on, and we've talked about this, but this is one of the reasons that you want to keep your powder dry, or at least some of your powder dry is because when these opportunities present themselves, whether it's crypto, if, if you're a fan of crypto, I have some, I don't know if you have any, whether it's the stock market. And by the way, I'm putting some more money before I leave town into my, the market account, like it's on sale. Why would I, why yeah. would I not? And I made sure to not put myself or any of my clients in a position where they need money that they might have to sell at a loss because what makes you a bad investor? A good investor buys low, sells high. We've said this before on this show, a bad investor buys high and sells low. What's the difference? It's timing and it's how much other resources you have. So you don't ever need to sell um, low. Interestingly enough, you guys can look this guy up and we'll get to the business side of it. And then at the last few minutes, D, if it's all right, I want to chat about place, places to store your cash. Yep. There was a guy named Tobin. Let's see if he still comes up. Nobel Prize. James Tobin, he was an American economist. He won the Nobel Prize in 1981 for, according to his Wikipedia page, for extensive, creative and extensive work on the analysis of financial markets. Now I got to go over the Wikipedia page. Um, he advocated government intervention to stabilize output and avoid recessions. Oh, no, 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 no. But his academic work included uh, pioneering contributions to the study of investment, monetary and fiscal and, and financial markets. And basically, here's what he got the, the, the Nobel Prize for. He figured out that if you married cash with your savings, 
you had a better rate of return than if you had everything in the stock market. Sorry, I should have said married cash with your stock market investments rather than mm -hmm. just having the whole thing in the investments. He found that those people did better. That's really kind of what he got his Nobel laureate for. So right. um, interesting thing on that, don't have all your capital deployed at any one time if you can avoid it, would be my financial tip to that. Everybody's situation is, is different. Consult your advisor, shoot a DM if you want to chat, but um, just keep that in mind there. Dominic, from a business standpoint, what would you say business owners and salespeople, which is every business owner, right? Because every business lives or dies by new clients. What would you say that you want to, what do you see as the biggest opportunity and how should people be handling this right now? Yeah. So I think the biggest opportunity is to get your head right. And I know that sounds like that's not, you know, really the, the right answer, but like you, you may be asking like specific, like what businesses are killing and, and you know, no, what, what are those really types of things? But like, just more like, Hey, if you got a business, what would you be doing differently now yeah. than you were doing in a good, in a good economy? And I'm not really saying the economy is bad, but if you log into, you know, yep. let's go to CNN right now while you're doing this, let's see what they have to say. Well, and, and I think that that's so I've I've shared this example. I heard it from a from a guy named Mike Arce, who's a great marketer and awesome business owner in the uh, like gym, gym space. Um, so if you own a if you own a fitness studio, you should definitely follow Mike Arce. But the Mike, it was, I had him on a, a show I did a couple of years ago. We, we did a, a whole virtual conference before that was cool. Right at the beginning of of, of uh, I almost said crypto, but at the beginning of COVID, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> similar volatility. Uh, so, and I had him on and he, he had this expression that I absolutely love where he said, we've been bowling with the bumpers up for the last mm. however many years, you know, 14 years, because in 2008, 2009, the bumpers went down. So if you're not a bowling fan, which is, which is fine. I only really do it when I'm inebriated, but uh, is that the, you have bumpers. So usually when your kids go play, well, bowling, you put these little bumpers up so that the ball doesn't fall into the into the gutters on each side. And like he said, it's such a great analogy for business that you could basically just toss the bowling ball somewhat towards the middle. And if it kind of bounces off the edges, it's fine. It'll still get down there and it'll knock over some pins. In other words, in business over the last 14 years, if you've done a halfway decent job, you probably made some money. Now, the challenge to that and like the undercurrent of what I read into a little bit of what Ron was sharing early in the show about like his financial things. And I'll tell you from my own experience, the times that we've struggled to the point where what Ron was talking about, where you're like, dang, I don't know, should we count some quarters out of that old jar? And, and, put it in? <laughs> you know, the, you, you know, you've, you've got, yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to go through those moments, but those teach you a lot. It, it's tough, but then our kind of our hope with the show is to help you avoid some of those moments actually. But you know, you learn that <clears throat> you have to make smart decisions. And, and over the last 14 years, you just had to do a decent job to be able to make it. What this, if this is a true market correction or a true recession, which I'm not prepared to go say it is, but if it is, or it's a bear market, which I think it's already technically qualified as one of those, but you know, I'll let you speak to that. You're the expert. But if it's any of those things, you have an opportunity now to not back off 
not give up, but rather ramp up. Like everything that you're doing, like you might have been able to get away with. Uh, and what I was saying is like, when you have those success, you get something called confirmation bias, which is actually literally a, a cognitive bias that our brains have. There's a whole psychology behind why that happens. Oh, I like Dodger blue. I'm actually wearing my Dodger shirt right now. But uh, anyway, but um, so uh, the, the psychology behind that is you think that just because things are going well, that they will continue to go well. And it's never that way. It just happened to go for 14 years last time, which is kind of remarkable, really. This time around, though, what we're seeing or 16 years or however you want to put that, but since 2008 or so, if you look at the, the, the current reality is, is that it's going to get difficult one way or another. But fundamentally, people still need to do business. So if you're in a business-to-business environment, the businesses that work with you probably still need to work with you one way or another. Like if you're a marketing agency, you may find that some customers are slowing down their marketing and are going to tell you like, hey, I don't think I'm going to run ads this month, whatever. Okay. But your smart customers are going to be like, I feel like I need to double down on my ads. If you're a financial advisor, right? You're getting phone calls left and right that are like, oh man, should I sell? What should I do? And, and you're probably, you just have to keep pressing forward and say, no, you should actually be adding. So you have an opportunity to make more money. Uh, you know, there are people, if you're in a service-based business that's, you know, of any sort, people probably still need those services. Now, if there's certain services where people consider that a luxury in an extended down market and might get rid of it, then use this time right now to think about what your backup plan is and how to get people into those things. And all of that comes down to a, a mindset that you are not going to lose in a down market. In fact, I would say we go into this uh, survival mode in markets like this, or, or certain people do, and people who go into survival mode often don't. But people who go into a mindset of abundance, you know, you hear that, that term, before, abundance mindset, uh, people who go into a mindset of like, no, I'm going to make money during this process, usually do. So it's going to take maybe more sales calls than it took up to this point. It's going to take more follow-up than it took to this point, I talked about this on one of our first episodes. Is pre-pandemic, it took on average eight follow-ups to get somebody to agree to an appointment. The current statistic is it takes eighteen. So it just takes more effort. But it didn't say. What's interesting is if you study all the. I'm a data nerd, so I tend to look at all the ner- the data after the fact. But once you get somebody to meet, none of those statistics from conversion from the initial meeting into conversion have really changed for the worse during the pandemic. The only thing that's changed is just harder to get a hold of people. Mm-hmm. So that tells me that people are still buying. It's just most salespeople and business owners and everybody else are too damn lazy to do the required fa- follow-up needed. So if you want to succeed in this time period, step it up. Like Just step up your activity. Push more. Make more phone calls. Do more follow up do things that make you uncomfortable text when you would have called like you know if you're if you're a salesperson you're like well i'm used to calling i don't know if i want to text anybody it's screw that just text them like get on social media if you're not on social media right now put out content content like it it makes a difference but you're going to have to lean into it harder than you would have before sorry i went on I, there but i love it um you know what it, it, well first of all it gave me a little break but it was a good rant dominic I approve of your rant. Um, 
you know what I was thinking of when you were talking about um, mindset and things like that? It's like that old difference in football, because I love football. We love football. Yep. Um, and first of all, the prevent defense, you know, where the defense all of a sudden tightens up. If you look at the statistics on that, the other team scores more than if they just played loose the way they'd been playing. And it's the same in life. At least the last time, if any of you guys are football coaches, last time I looked at the stats or somebody showed them to me. And, um, you know, that's kind of like the Henry Ford thing, whether you think you can or think you can't do something, you're right. right. And what I would think of is, particularly for you business owners, we'll get to the money side in a moment. But this is your chance to go like Scarface, but not with the blaze of glory and mountain of cocaine, but where you just expand out. Because if everybody else is scared, like, ooh, it's scary, and I don't want to work that hard, even if it takes you more calls, let's say you're going to call twice as many people, but you're building a pipeline now. So when some of those people aren't going to want to do business with you right then, but you're the guy who, or gal, or whatever, who reached out to them and went through and was like giving them content and keeping a positive message and, you know, providing value. So even if they don't do business with you, you're creating that contact and contacts so that maybe they're scared right now. And you do have to reach out to more people to get them to, to do business with you. But you're also creating a pipeline of people who will do business down the road with you when conditions improve or when they get over some of their concerns. So it's literally win-win. And if your competitors are staying home and just totally nervous about doing anything, you win that direction as well, because on that direction, you turn around and you're now the only person or one of the only people that's showing up in the marketplace. Yep. So I think there's, well, I think there's a huge value to that. For sure. And, um, and one thing that you kind of made is that you brought up the sports analogy and, you know, that's a slippery slope at times, but you think about every single great athlete, especially in team sports, especially when there's a championship on the line, this has been studied over and over and over is the ones who are considered greats. You know, your, your Jordans, as much as it pains me to say it, Tom Brady's, uh, the other, you know, people that are great in that moment, uh, Tiger Woods in his heyday, not, not so much yesterday. Uh, but time, uh, Tiger Woods in his heyday on a Sunday, their heart rate slows, their vision gets clearer, their, their whole entire mechanism of their body doesn't look at that moment as fear, but rather opportunity. And they, they've studied their heart rates, like it's shocking what their heart rates do versus other players. And what their overall you know, mindset is around that is they tend to calm down. And so to me, when you're, when you're in this market, this is championship football, depend, no matter how you define football, whether it's you know, on your foot or being thrown around. Like it, this is championship time. And so if you're running around freaking out, like I remember, there's that movie, uh, Six Days, Seven Nights. It's one of my favorite movies just for just light viewing with uh, Harrison Ford. And he's like, he runs into a bush and like shaking it and he's screaming and she's like, Dude, what just happened? And he was like, well, it doesn't really benefit me to run around yelling, oh, shit, we're going to die, does it now? You know, and it's like, if you have that mindset of, oh, crap, we're going to die, 
then you're you're going the opposite and you're going into that place that you just talked about, that place of fear. And you're going to start to operate from fear, which means you're going to hold on to cash when you shouldn't. Now, I know you just said hold on to cash, but you're going to hold on to we cash when you've had an opportunity. You're going to hold on to th- You're not going to make a smart business decision or you're going to operate from this place of you make rash decisions that have no like bearing. Like it, people tend to, I see this like go, either they make no decisions because they get frozen in fear or their fear causes them to create like rash decisions, which are just stupid. And then it like, you just have to stay in that same place, bowl down the middle of the bowling alley. Don't rely on the bumpers. Just stay down the middle, do what you're doing. And if you're going to and do what you're doing, but do more of it. And it's, it's how you weather this storm. And it also helps your brain a lot. Like if you, I remember the first couple of days of pa- the pandemic and when, uh, you know, our governor locked us all down. I mean, I, I'll admit I had a moment of panic, like, holy crap, what are we going to do? How am I going to feed my kids? I just started a business. This was another business I'd started at the time. Like, oh my gosh, like what, what am I? Oh, shoot. And then I was like, yeah, that's what everybody else is going to do. So I'm going to do the opposite. I'm not going to freak out. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to double down my efforts. And you know what? Turned out we had our best couple of years this last two years. Love it. Love it. So I think it was, by the way, Dominic, I'm going to have to wrap this up a little early today because I am not packed. I am not <laughs> anything. And my ride's coming in a couple hours. Yeah, um, okay. so, and I still have three more client meetings today. Just stuff that couldn't wait. But um, I think for you guys, my, my number one advice, having been there, done that, seen this before, which some of you may not have really experienced before. And, and like I said, if that's if there's one advantage that comes with getting older, it's, it's that you've seen stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say absolutely kind of what we said, which is if you are a business owner, lean into it. Go, don't, don't slow down. If you're a salesperson, don't slow down on any of it. View it as a time where the competition will walk off the field. And just like the hockey playoffs are there, I love hockey too. You know, it's like when they pull a goalie, it's a lot easier to score. So if you don't have competition in there, even if it requires more work to make the same or more money, you're building that database for the future. Next time, if it's all right with you, D, we will chat about creative things to do with your cash um, that generally aren't mainstream where you can, you know, grow money tax advantage have it earn more than a 0.001 rate of return, have it available to deploy. We'll talk about some of those strategies. But the other kind of closing thing, if it's all right with you, if I I wrap this up, is I would just say, make sure that you're feeding your mind a steady diet of what you want, not what you're scared of. And so again, those biographies and business books and success books and all that stuff. And look, I'm not a manifester. And if you guys don't know what a manifester is, it's kind of like if you ever saw the movie The Secret, um, where they were like, yeah, I just thought it and it happened. No, work has to go into it. But the work is a lot easier if you're thinking about what you want and visualizing what you want and setting those goals and going after them. The work becomes easier. And if you're talking to yourself about how it's going to work out. It's going to be great. And you're, you're, you know, you're doing things that other people won't, that's going to help you out a lot more. And you're going to have a lot more success than someone 
who constantly watches the news and constantly thinks about how bad it's going to be and worries about it. And I know there was a stat years ago, I'm sure you guys have heard it, but they're like 90 something percent of what people worry about on a daily basis never comes true. Yeah. So Dominic, do you have yeah, it's garbage in garbage in garbage out, right? Like if you let's think about this for a second. And I'm not saying advocating for Don. I read the news and I read it typically more because then I can control it a lot more than watching it. That's just me. But like, if you start your day listening, I don't care if it's Fox News, CNN, MS, it doesn't matter. It, it's yeah. ir- irrelevant. You can start your day watching that stuff. You're going to set your mindset. You're going to set the course for your day. And if you finish the day watching that, you're probably going to sleep on it because, you know, we've all had those moments where we're chewing on something when we go to bed and we wake up with the solution because your subconscious is doing it. That does not lead to good sleep. So garbage in, garbage out. Fill your brain. I love how you said it. Like, it's all about what you put into your brain right now. This is a great time to read biographies. It's a great time to read business books. You know, fill your stuff. I mean, yeah, keep up on current events. It's relevant. But like, don't kill yourself. Or don't. Or don't. If if World War III actually breaks out, they'll tell you. Yeah. Well, and I had a client of mine who I literally, smartest guy, one of the smartest people I know. Watching the the start of the Ukraine thing for for four or five hours a day, and I watched him make bad business decisions based on that. And I gave him some advice as a friend, and was like, "Dude, just cut, set a timer, watch it for thirty minutes, man. I know you want to watch it. You know he's from Europe, so it's closer to home. I'm like, just watch it for thirty minutes, and then turn it off. And all of a sudden, his whole mindset changed. So just careful what you're watching. Stay positive on stuff and trust." That if you set your mind to it, you can make money in this time period. You just have to you have to put in the work. And don't panic sell if you if you have money in the markets. I would not panic sell. You want to stay solid. Now, once the markets come back, because they always do, you may want to turn around and we may need to rebalance because you may have taken more risk than you um, you're comfortable with. We'll fix that after. Right now, you know, when the markets are doing this, and we are officially, I confirmed it, in a bear market because we've had more than a 20% loss. And I think the market's mm-hmm. down like another 6% today. <laughs> but you know what? It can only go so low before the institutions jump back in and start buying, and then it turns and goes the other direction. So mm-hmm. now's not the time to liquidate. Um, and again, if you need the money, try to figure another way to get it by a line of credit or something so you're not forced to sell at a loss and become that bad investor. Listen, next week, Dominic, I'm going to be overseas, but I will find time to make this happen. And um, we will chat about what are some smarter options going forward and anything else that's on your little heart. Does that sound all right? And uh, we should get it good because you'll probably have done some wine tasting. It's going to be a whole nother run that we're going to see. Less espresso, more wine by that point of the day. Not even. (laughs) Not even. I don't. (laughs) Dude, I'm not a day drinker, so it'll be like five o'clock over there when we're doing our AM thing. Like I'll still I'll still have an espresso in hand. Now about 7 30 or 8, I might make it over to the cocktail bar and stuff. Listen, guys, I gotta run. Hope you enjoyed it as always. If you just tuned in, we're ending a little bit early today, but it kind of makes up because we went over last week. But this yeah. is the make more keep more podcast every Friday's IG Live, 8 a.m. No, no matter where we are. We get it done, and uh, unless I don't have Wi-Fi, in which I'll hopefully be able to text you or something, but I don't plan on it. And we will see you guys next week. And thank you, lovely CJP, and we will look forward to chatting with you guys then. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, Ron. Have a good one. Safe travels. Thanks.